Father, for the intimacy, Lord, that you bought uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord, that we can enter into this intimacy, Lord, to throw everything we have aside, Father, so that we can step into what you have, God. And I pray, Lord, this morning would be a morning, God, that you pull out the roots, Father, that hold us away from you, God, roots of bitterness, Lord, roots of performance, God, that we can abide in your love, God, that we can abide in who you are, Lord, that we can know you in a deeper way today. In Jesus' name, we pray and believe, amen. You guys can be seated.
thing that was interesting when I was thinking about that, though, was this guy was so concerned about fixing the symptom, he never took the time to figure out what the root was. And because he spent so much time and effort trying to fix the symptom, he almost died. And we're going to find when we look in the scripture the same thing with us, that when we are so focused on fixing our symptoms in Christ and we're not focused on finding the root cause of what's going on, we're re really leading ourselves into death, even when our symptoms get changed for a moment. Because his symptoms went away, he didn't feel nauseous, but because his symptom went away, he never found the root. Um, he was getting sicker and sicker um, as time went on. And when we really think about our own lives and, and whether there's a sin that continually pops up, and one that came to mind while I was praying is just anger. That um, there was a guy I was talking to who he was saying he was a like world champion um, pickleball player, and I never didn't know there was like such a thing. But I met him at Starbucks. He was telling me all about his pickleball experience. But he ended up getting saved, and when he got saved, that he said he couldn't play pickleball anymore because he got so mad when he played, and. See, there's this aspect of us that if we say we deal with anger and we find, okay, I get angry when I talk about politics, I get angry when I play pickleball. We just avoid those two things and we think our anger has gone away. But that root of why we got angry is that it's still there. And so what happens is over time, whether it's a pressure situation or you get forced into a game of pickleball or at um, your family reunion, someone brings up politics, that pressure comes in and that sin pops up again that it was never solved, it was just managed. And, and I believe today in our church culture, we put so much emphasis on fruit of what we do and what we don't do that we've become really good symptom managers. And we've done a really good job of, of knowing what to do and not to do and looking like we do those things pretty well. But in reality, our fruit or our root that's producing those things may very well um, be dead and may very well be rotting um, while we try to fix our symptoms. And so when we go into... Um, Ephesians, whoops, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, he says, um, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. And we see right off the bat, it says, for this reason, that Paul had a reason why he was doing what he was doing. You can look at the fruit here that Paul produces, and he's a prisoner of Christ. He's invested in the temple, the body of Christ, he says, for you Gentiles. Um, and then also it says that he was a steward, that he was, uh, had received the stewardship of God. So those are the three like, main fruits we see produced. But there was a reason for this. He says, for this reason. And what is that reason? And, and Johnny's done a great job. Of, every time he preaches, he goes through um, what is the context of Ephesians. Because Ephesians is one book. Um, me and Jim have talked about this last couple weeks of just this story that God has laid out in Ephesians. It's not separated by verses and chapters and periods and commas. It's one story. And so when we look at Paul's reason, number one, we read, um, or Johnny's preached on the last couple weeks of Ephesians chapter 2, um, 17 through 21. I don't have this scripture up there, so if you guys want to turn um, to Ephesians chapter 2, just going to recap a little bit of that. And he says, and he came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and whom the whole building being fitted and together grows into a holy temple of the Lord, and whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now he says, 
for this reason. So what is the reason? It's because of the temple that's being built together of the people of God by the price of Jesus Christ on the cross. But why is God doing that? And that's what we have to go back all the way to chapter 1 where Johnny's talked about we've been called out. Well, what have we been called out to? At the beginning of chapter 1, it says that before the foundations of the world, that God chose us in Christ. And then he says that he's given us the adoption as sons through his spirit. And what do those two things represent? That we are in Christ and adoption. Of in Christ, it's really just a term of intimacy. We're not around him, we're not by him, we don't know about him, but we're literally inside of him. That before the foundation of the world, God's plan was for us to be in Christ, was for us to know him personally. That was our original purpose. And then he says we can give him the spirit of adoption, which in Galatians says that the spirit of adoption cries out, Abba, Father. What is crying out, Abba, Father, represent? Again, a term of intimacy of us being drawn near to God because of our love for him and his love for us. So chapter 1, we've been called out for the purpose of intimacy. Chapter 2, we talked about of being a family, that through the blood of Christ, we've been brought from children of wrath into the bride of Christ. But for what purpose? Again, intimacy, that we be a family, not only the barrier between us and God would be broken down, but the barrier between each other would be broken down. So we can come into walk together for what purpose? To access him by the, by the Spirit, which provides what? Intimacy, which has been his plan from the beginning. And then he brings us as a temple, fits us together for what purpose? That says, so the presence of God can be, could fill the temple. What was the temple in the Old Testament for? The temple was for the presence of God to come down to dwell with his people. What was the purpose of that? Intimacy, which has been his purpose from the very beginning. Chapter 1 is so that we could know him. So in the same way, now Paul's getting to chapter 3 of because God's plan for intimacy, because of God's plan bringing us together, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. And if we don't get... The, the story leading up to chapter 3, we're going to end up being symptom managers and not ever find the root cause because Paul has a root and a reason that's compelling him to do these things. See, Paul's big motivation overall was he was rooted in his original purpose. And again, I thought of the scripture this morning, so I didn't put it up there. But uh, if you guys want to turn to Philippians <coughs> chapter 3, this is, is seen um, as Paul's root of this original purpose to know him. Um, Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. He says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost, the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. And what's Paul's theme throughout the whole thing? He's counted all things lost. Why? For Christ. He's um, counted all things trash. Why? For the knowledge of Christ Jesus, to know him. And then finally, in verse 10, what's the purpose of all this? That I may um, know him and be found in him. And see, Paul's, his motivation was compelling him his whole life, and especially leading up to Ephesians chapter 3, for this reason, is all that he could know Christ and be found in him. 
Uh, one foundational scripture we talk about a lot at ESS is John 15. And that's, again, this theme carried over of what Jesus, um, how Jesus says we will produce fruit. What does our root have to be in in order for us to produce fruit? He says this, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And again, this is Jesus' point here, is if we are rooted in anything besides him, if we're rooted in our symptoms instead of the, the vine of who Christ is, he says you can do nothing. That even if it looks good or it looks like our symptoms are changing, he's saying they're not. There's no way you can do anything unless an abiding of Christ is taking place in your life. And if we go back to the Zophran story of this guy who's, who's controlling his symptoms, uh, Jesus Christ is not in the business of healing our symptoms. He's in, the, he's in the business of healing you, of healing your roots. If he doesn't want to get you not to throw up, he wants to get that poison out of our bodies. He wants to give us full restoration, and that is impossible unless we're abiding in him. And he set it up that way, so when we're trying and we're trying, we have a cyclical pattern of failing. And he's showing, okay, if you have a cyclical pattern, this comes up over and over, and you're failing and you're failing, I've set it up that way so that you would come back and abide in me. Not for you to feel bad, not for you to try harder, not for you to read your Bible more, but for the purpose of repentance, to come back broken, saying, I can't do this unless I'm attached to the vine, unless I'm inviting Christ. And when that happens, he says as a promise, you will bear much fruit. And so if we're struggling with our symptoms, with our fruit, the problem is not our fruit. It's the root of what are we plugged into? Where is our trust and where is our abiding truly at? So we kind of already being the dead horse. If our fruit is struggling, our root is struggling. And we talk about this whole aspect of what God's doing. Johnny talked about it last week, um, that the big us could come dwell in the little us. That's been the point from the beginning, that we could be in Christ and he could be in us. And that is where our, our fruit or our root should be that will produce the fruit that we want to see, the fruit that we see in Scripture. And so when we look at these four things, we see Paul's motivation, his foundation, is in that he knows Christ. We're going to look at a Scripture for that. The second um, fruit we see is that he's become a prisoner of Christ Jesus. The third is that he's become invested in the body of Christ. And the fourth is he's become a steward of God's grace. And all of these come from uh, a root of knowing him. And so what I really pray that we can do, that I can do um, together today is reflect. And if these fruits, these four things are not growing or not evident in our lives, the problem isn't our trying harder. The problem is looking back to our root. And so if these things are like, man, that's something I struggle with. That's something that's missing in my heart, my life. The problem isn't, let's see what the opposite of what I'm doing. Let me do that better. But, but the problem is there's something wrong with our root that we need to come back to and find repentance and for God to bring restoration and not to be focusing on our symptoms or just what we're not doing. Amen. So John 17, 3. This is about knowing him, this foundation. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
And we talk about salvation. This is something that's talked about a lot in the church today, right? Of, of being saved. And when, when Jesus talks about being saved, he doesn't even mention heaven. And he doesn't even mention hell. The only thing he mentions is that you may know him. That Jesus Christ did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And that's what Ephesians 2 talks about. Is he talks about you were dead in your trespasses, and now you're alive in Christ. That's why Jesus came. Why did he make, want to make us alive in Christ? that we could know him. This is eternal life. And so if we are not growing in our intimacy day by day, if we're not growing in our intimacy right now with the Lord, that's not something to push off the side. That's a huge red flag and a check engine light that we are not abiding in Christ. We don't have our foundation in him. And so this is something to know him, which is the purpose of eternal life that we're missing. That's something we need to take back to the Lord. Again, not find a hundred things we can do to gain that, but actually come back to him and see in reflection and in discernment from him what are we missing for our intimacy to be lacking with Christ. The second um, fruit in this scripture that we saw is Paul says, for this reason, for this intimacy with Christ, I have become a prisoner of Christ Jesus. You know what's interesting about this word in the Greek, um, that word prisoner, is the same Greek word that's used of Barabbas when he is um, in prison when they're deciding to let him go or Jesus go in the gospel story. They say they have a famous prisoner named Barabbas, and that's the same Greek word that Paul is saying, I am a prisoner of Christ. And see, this prisoner aspect of what he's saying is I am, I am chained, I am in bondage, I am guarded, I am protected by Jesus Christ. I am enslaved to him. And the truth is that we are either enslaved to ourselves and our, our fleshly desires, or we are enslaved to Christ. But why did Paul want to be a prisoner of Christ Jesus? Why was it so easy for him? Was again because of his roots of knowing him. Because he knew God, and he knew what God was doing. It's just like it was preached last week. If you knew what God was doing, you wouldn't want to have your hands on it. Because you would see who he was, you would see his, how good he is, you would see his plan, and you knew you couldn't, you couldn't do that. And so you knew you'd have to um, step back, and you would know the only way for this to truly happen in my life is for me to get out of the way and be a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And so Paul wasn't doing this to be extra radical, that I will be a prisoner of Christ, because he knew him, and because he knew what God was doing, as he says, for this reason, because of this reason to know him, because of this reason of the temple coming together, I am going to become a prisoner of Christ Jesus. It was what he was compelled to do because of his knowing of who God is. And we look at Romans 10.9. This is a scripture that gets used a lot um, for the salvational prayer. He says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that is, amen, that is, that is true. If we call upon the name of the Lord, we will be saved. But what does he say here? If you confess with your mouth that what? Jesus is Lord. That the foundation of this was God's lordship, Christ's lordship over us. In the same way we are confessing this, we are confessing that I am a bondservant, I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Not because we want to be enslaved to something, because if we knew him, we would want to be enslaved to him. We would want to be changed to him. We would want him to do his work in us. And we would want to have our hands on it because we know what he has for us is so much better. So if we struggle with his aspect of lordship, if we struggle with having our hands on everything in our life, our problem isn't more sacrifice. Our problem is we don't know him. We don't know him in the way that we should know him because when our intimacy grows with him, our compulsion to be a prisoner of Christ will grow deeper and deeper in our hearts. Um, 
The next proof that we saw with Paul was he says, for the sake of you Gentiles. He says, for the purpose of the Gentiles. Who were the Gentiles had now been brought into the body of Christ as a temple of God. And in John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now what is Jesus saying? He's saying by the disciples' love, not necessarily for the world, but their love for one another would be a testimony of Jesus Christ to the world. He's saying, by the way you guys invest in each other, by the way you guys love each other, now this would be a testimony of who he was, and the whole world would know that they were his disciples. And so in the same way, Paul's saying, I'm becoming a prisoner of Christ, and because I'm a prisoner of Christ, now I'm doing it for the sake of you Gentiles, for the sake of the body of Christ. And again, all coming from this root of intimacy with the Lord, of when we become invested in God, we come and become invested in what he's invested in. And what is God invested in? He's invested in his body. He's invested in his bride. And so if we struggle with wanting to invest in the bride, if we struggle with wanting to invest in each other, be disciple, disciple someone else, again, the answer isn't sign up for a bunch of more things and try a lot harder um, to be invested. The problem, again, is our root to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, why don't I have this desire to invest in your church? Why don't I have this desire for your bride? Because... If we, if we are invested in him and our roots are founded in intimacy with Christ, a desire for this investment will be produced in us, for sure. It, it's a fact that, that just as Jesus is saying here, as disciples, we will long to love and take care of one another. It's not something we'll have to conjure up, but it's something that he will produce through us. Finally, um, the last fruit that we saw was this stewardship. And Paul says that he's become a steward of the grace of God. And when you think about a steward, it's someone who takes good care of something. And Nat brought this word last week of where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I believe, again, Paul was a good steward of the grace of God because he knew how precious it was. He knew how he knew his love for the Lord and Christ's love for him. He said the love of Christ compels me. I'm a prisoner to this. There is nothing else in the world I would want to do. He's not saying I have to do this, but there is nothing else I could ever want to do but be a prisoner of Christ. There's nothing else I could want to steward but this grace of God and this gift of God that he's given to me. And so when we struggle stewarding our own relationship with the Lord, we struggle stewarding a ministry or something he's given us, again, the, the answer isn't to, to try to conjure up a bunch of things. But if we treasure something, that's where our heart will be also. If we treasure him, if we treasure knowing him, if we treasure his bride, that's where our stewardship will be. And see, as, as we look at these, I hope you can see how these things weren't things Paul was waking up every day and thinking like, oh man, I've got to do this. Or how can I find the strength to love these Gentiles? Paul was pumped to be in prison. He's like, this is the work of the Lord that I'm here. And it wasn't because he was crazy. It was because he was truly born again. He had been brought from death to life. He had been given all new desires. So his only treasure was Jesus Christ. And so these things just flowed out of who he was. And so if we go back to these um, just list, listed out, to know him, and, and, and just take a second here um, as we kind of spew out all that information, of just take a second here is, is your intimacy with Christ growing right now? Is that something that is growing in your life? If it's not, that's a big red flag. It's not that you're a bad person. It's not that you can't have intimacy with Christ, but he's, he's made it 
He set it up this way that our, our roots would have to be in him for a reason. So that when thing, these things aren't going on, we can reflect and say, oh man, I must not be abiding in Christ. So one, is our intimacy with Christ growing? Two, do we struggle with lordship? Do we struggle with being a prisoner of Christ? Is that something that we always want to be in control of things? If we do, again, taking it back to our roots, is there something off with our foundation? Three, do we desire to be invested in the body of Christ? If that's something that's lacking in our heart right now, again, not something to beat ourselves up about, but just confess to the Lord that this is something that's not in my heart, and ask Him why. See what He says to you. Go into the Word. Read the Word. See what He says through His Word of why that is off in our heart. And four, if we don't, if our, if our treasure isn't in what God's given to us, if our treasure's in our job or our treasure's in our relationships, or if our treasures aren't in the stewardship God's given to us, again, confessing that, coming back to the Lord and asking, Lord, why is this missing in our life? See, God's given us these things to have as a benchmark or as a mirror, not, again, for us to feel bad or for us to work harder, but to save us so we don't keep taking Zofrans and don't keep... Um, pushing down these symptoms and get sicker and sicker and sicker to the point of death. He has given us these as red flags and as Johnny said a couple weeks back, as the check, in, check engine light going on, so your engine doesn't blow up. He's done these things for our good. Not for us to beat ourselves up or to try harder, but to give us a benchmark. And guys, if this isn't true in your life, it's a problem because these things are promises that the new creation in Christ will produce. And so if we don't produce these things, the problem is our root in him. The last um, little analogy we got, oh, there goes the notes. Um, the last, last analogy kind of to wrap this up, um, and we can start getting ready for um, our offering, and we got some communion today. We can take that as well. But the last analogy is there was this guy um, who, he had a runny nose, and he kept wiping his runny nose, and it kept running and running and running, and he was taking new snacks and taking cold medicine, these different things, and it wasn't um, getting any better. So he ended up going um, to the hospital, and they ended up giving an antibiotic and saying, well, we think that this cold is just really viral or something, and you don't have a lot of bad symptoms, but um, it, just, it just seems like um, there's still something going on. So they gave him this antibiotic, and about three, four weeks later, it still didn't work. He still, his nose was still running. So he went into the hospital, and so they eventually gave him a scan of his, of his head, and he had a, a vessel that had popped that was leaking brain fluid um, out of his nose. And so slowly but surely, this guy was dying. And so what they ended up doing, they do this immediate surgery, fix this deal up, and the guy was good. But they said if he would have waited much longer, um, he could die. And what's really interesting about that, that analogy is just that this guy, whether it was a leaking brain or it was a cold, the symptoms looked the same. And see, that's the thing is we can be in areas of our life where we're going to sin. Like, you, you may mess up on something, and it may just be a cold. You may just need to, like, get some rest and drink some tea, and you're going to be better in a couple days. But that same symptom could be that brain leak in, in our head that's slowly killing us. It's a cycle that's a stronghold in our life that's exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And so if we're struggling with these things, again, take it to the Lord. He may say, like, this is just a sanctification time in your life. It's a cold that we're going to work through this, and we're going to struggle through this together, and you're going to come up on the other end. Or you may take some of these things back to the Lord, and these may be things that are um, leaking brains um, in our lives, that, that are slowly but surely really pulling us away from our original purpose 
um, it, which is to be in Christ. So you guys want to come up with that offering? Um, and guys, just a quick um, note um, that's aside from the sermon, but I've been wanting to say this for a while, is I know we are uh, moving away from a cash and check culture. Um, there is an online giving option, just so you guys know, um, that may be easier for us who don't carry around um, cash. But um, let's pray for this offering. Father God, Lord, I thank you um, so much, Father, for who you are. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done um, for us. Lord, I pray, God, that just as your word says, God, that our giving um, is not for the benefit of the church, Father. It's for eternal fruit that you say that, that you'll give us um, in heaven, God. Not giving out of a, an obligation, Lord, but out of a cheerful heart, Lord, um, to love you and know you more, God. So I pray, Father, with whatever is given today, God, that you would um, bless those who give and those who desire to give, God, um, and that we would steward um, this money well. And in Jesus' name we pray and believe these things. Amen. Um, guys, as the um, worship crew begins to just play kind of a closing song, we do have communion here um, on both sides of the altar. And just as we come up today for communion, um, if you guys, if, if one of these points or one of these fruits is really convicting today, I just pray that, that you guys would, would take the time just to even stay up in the altar and, and um, confess that between the Lord this morning. This would be a time of reconciling of, again, not to beat us up, but Lord, um, I want to have my original purpose in you. I want um, to abide in Christ. I don't want this, this leaking brain or this cold or whatever it is that's pulling away from you in my life anymore. And really the two specifically are to know him and to be a prisoner of Christ, that Jesus says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That until we lose our life for Christ, until we will come under his lordship, none of this other fruit can happen. It's impossible. But in order to come under his lordship and be founded in Christ, that's where these things will start to flow. So I just pray that if it's a foundational issue, if it's a fruit issue, that as we come up and take communion, um, you guys are welcome to go back in your seat, but also just to take this time um, of prayer with the Lord and reconciliation that he would not just heal your fruit but get down to that root and really heal and, and reconcile by repentance and by a miracle that he can do through his spirit so I'll lead us into prayer um, for communion and then you guys are welcome just to come down the center aisle and then either stay up at the altar or come back onto your seats on the outside and Father God Lord I thank you for the opportunity to partake in communion Lord that, that you have um, given us the demonstration, Lord, that you have hung on the cross for us, Lord. And you asked us to remember you, Lord, um, by doing this, Father, by taking the cup, Lord, that represents the blood that you spilled, Father, and to take the bread that, that resembles um, the flesh that was crushed, Lord, that not only did you offer your body, um, but you offered your soul as a sacrifice, Lord, that you say um, that, that you were crushed um, by the wrath of God on the cross, Lord, on behalf so that we can know you. God, and I pray, Lord, that your sacrifice, Father, and who you are, would compel us to know you. God, this God who left earth and came down for those who were children of wrath, Father, that we would be reconciled to you this morning, God, that we would have these roots changed in our life, Lord. So, God, I pray, Father, that we would magnify you, Lord, we would glorify you, God, and we would remember, God, um, and we would set our mind on the things of the cross this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and we believe these things. Amen.
being hit, I'm not going to pray us into that real quick. Um, Father God, Lord, I pray, Father, that the, the, the reconciliation of what your blood did, Lord, the, the payment on the cross, Father, to bring us in right relationship with you, Lord, to bring us in Christ. God, I pray, Lord, that we would take this cup, God, of your blood, Lord, and, and representing of that, God, um, that we would glorify you, Father, and the power of the cross, Lord, would be remembered, um, Lord, as we just take this together. And Father God, again, I just pray for, for the um, bread, God, that represents your body. Lord, that we remember, Father, day, day by day, Lord, what you've, been, what you've given, Lord, um, for us to know you, God. What you've given on the way you've been broken, Lord. And I say, I believe, Lord, in the same way you've done this for us, God, you've called us to, to do this on behalf of you, Father, to, to give our bodies as a living sacrifice to you, Lord. So I pray, God, that we remember um, the way your body was broken, Father, on the cross for us. As you guys are finishing up communion and finishing up on um, the time of uh, um, reflection, if anybody has a word or anything, um, please let me know. Um, you can present that um, to the body. Um, but otherwise, you guys can finish up praying. I'm going to finish up this time of worship as Jamie and, and Matt continue to play. Um, and you guys are dismissed um, as soon as you are ready. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here and worshiping with us today. I just pray that God continues um, to fix our roots. of 
where, where do we let our hearts go to? Where, where do we let our desires just fall and they're traveling all these places? And um, is, is it really rooted, is our desire in Christ to know him? Or do we really want a bunch of other things um, in our life? And so this is convicting for me too. So um, just as encouragement of um, letting our time, our money, our affections run to Christ and there our desire will follow when we use that time and that money and our affections of our heart uh, for the, his glory and, and just to love him. So. Amen, amen. So again, something more to ponder and pray on. Um, but uh, yeah, that is our benediction for the day. So you guys can, um, you can go pray, um, go get something to eat, whatever you guys got next. Thanks.